0: culture theologians it's me your main boy john we're here to talk about Westworld season four episode seven and eight maybe a series finale we're gonna get there but i've got my main girl kirsten here hey kirsten hi i love How's it that. going i love the enthusiasm guess what kirsten i've got a really big surprise for you what's that um there's A crazy woman who's also on this podcast with us. I think her name is Marcy. Hello. (laughs) What?
1: what?
2: Hi Marcy. I'm here.
0: How are you? Hey,
2: you know, I am still alive,
0: which is more than
2: I can say for Maeve. That is
0: more than you can say for me. Oh, too soon. Too soon? Too soon. Sorry. Sorry, wait, guys. Sorry. Wait, come on. We're not even there in the episode discussion yet, guys. We have an outline to stick to. <laughs> I just God. want to say thank you
1: for holding down the fort while I went through multiple uh, COVIDs, y'all. It, listening to you all break down what you all know is the OG favorite show has been awesome.
0: This is the show that started it all, Marcy.
1: It did. it did. It was it was S3 talking about how someone should talk about Westworld.
0: Because Westworld is messed up.
1: It's a messy show.
0: It's a messy I would show. Say
2: I I still don't quite know what's happening. So not a whole lot has changed.
0: No, not at all. Agreed. But Marcy is back with us, listeners. If you've already downloaded the latest episode of season 10, because even though we're in season nine right now just like with westworld we're going to screw with your mind a little bit and make sure we don't know where you are located in the current timeline but whether or not you know where you are we're going to be breaking down westworld in the couple of last episodes here we've got a lot to talk about we've got marcy back um she's going to be that kind of like the drunk aunt at the wedding just screaming screaming obscenities at us as we go through the episode but giving us her takeaways um, but Marcy specifically said, "If I am not in this last episode, I'm going to cancel you online." I think that was what the text said, right, Marcy?
1: Yeah, that sounds like exactly what what I would say. Like Marcy
0: is for cancel culture.
1: Yeah, it's so effective. Everyone gets canceled. Like literally, people just disappear off the face of the earth, getting canceled every day. Particularly men.
0: Particularly <laughs> men who. Um, do no wrong men are obviously you know there's never been anything wrong
2: <laughs> they're so wrongly maligned I mean, so wrongly be honest. Men,
0: men really had it coming you know I mean God, <laughs> Louise I mean how dare we but um, we are here we've got a lot to break down for you we're going to do episode seven and episode eight with you all and talk really about all that's going on but I think Marcy and Kirsten it's probably time to get into the episode discussion. What do you think? Absolutely. Let's do it. Here we go, guys. All right. So episode seven is titled Metanoia. Um, and really what we have here is called the end game is really beginning. Um, the title of the episode actually means a change in one's way of life, resulting from penitence or spiritual conversion. And boy, does that really ring true in this episode. Um, I've really kind of been watching these episodes um, a little bit too late at night, and I find myself falling asleep and then having to go back and watching them. um, And I don't really know what's going on. But ultimately, we're we're welcome to Bernard and Maeve, our favorite power couple, making their way inside the Hoover Dam, which... I just gotta say, shout out to the Hoover Dam. I mean, really it's getting its play. This is like the, the it's bringing back, it's coming back. It's like Britney and Elton John and their new remix that's coming out here soon. Um, but we really see the Hoover Dam back in action and the Host in Black was there um, all the way back in the premiere. Um, but what we see here is Holoris, uh can't access the Hoover Dam um, place where it's storing the sublime without the key inside Bernard's head and he's figured that out. And so we watched this opening sequence play out twice. um, And we we kind of realize that you're really being screwed with and you don't know what timeline you're ultimately in. But what we see here is the first time turns out to be one simulation with Bernard um, during his time in the sublime. So we're all the way back in episode one where we learn that this version of Maeve is a copy and the real version of her is somewhere still out there in the world. And like with Bernard and all the creepy things he does, he um, offers her a choice. He could find her and upload her and she'd safely reunited with her daughter before the hosts and the humans cause each other's extinction or she could fight and stay and save and fight the world. She's probably doomed to fail. What do you think about this scene, Kirsten? I mean, really, we've got the buddy cop comedy.
2: I do appreciate how it seems to be playing with different versions of Maeve in the sense that it seems to suggest that even with the same inputs, you can have different outcomes. And so my my curiosity is what might provoke the different outcome? Um, But yeah, I think that this version of Maeve um, is the one that we end up with kind of through the rest of the episode is supposed to be the Maeve that we have come to know and love but this first Maeve I don't know this is where it's where the like everyone contains multitudes and maybe the hosts contain exponential multitudes because they're hosts I don't know what do you think
0: well, they're in this version of the sublime. And so they're ultimately living through all of these different scenarios that are really trying to go on. And we ultimately see um, her, Maeve and Bernard have this conversation, and then the robot smashes through the wall like the Kool-Aid man and kills them both, right? Um, Marcy, we need the, <laughs> we need the, oh, yeah, we need, where, where are you with the, oh, yeah, Marcy?
1: Oh, yeah. No, like, it's funny because, like, I feel like we were very primed for this conversation that we're having right now because, like, we're having metaverse conversations, metaverse Mave, right? We're having multiplicity of outcome, right? Which I would say, like, five or ten years ago would have been a topic. Granted, Westworld hasn't shied away from, like, difficult concepts, right? But this plurality of non-parallel non-linear existences and how like tiny ripple effects change everything right like I, I think we're just at a really interesting time in pop culture where multiple verses are exploring this right and talking about it and I think it speaks to like our own both anxiety and desire to plug in or plug out or opt for a different timeline or a different like version of where we could be so there's just something to it that like I like I know watching I'm like I'd plug into the sublime and go with my daughter I mean that's not like my sublime mine would be like a field full of golden retrievers right <laughs> like I I would like and I and I asked myself what it what I asked myself a lot in these last two episodes what would I do so
2: I feel well, I mean, I think the anxiety that the cultural anxiety that you're touching on really has to do with I think people since let's just say since 2016 have been made aware. Mm-hmm. Um so this isn't a new problem, but they've been made aware that like maybe we're not in the best timeline because there's wishful thinking. And that happens like across the political spectrum, right? Like people mm-hmm. who are super conservative are like, make America great again. And people who are super progressive are like. We are existing in a world being governed by an oligarch, you know, cronyist government. So minority. Yeah. So I feel like uh, everyone has this anxiety about the fact that we're living in a time that no one sees as ideal.
1: And that weight of consciousness, right? Yeah. With the age of data and data accessibility is definitely here
0: especially if you knew like where you're going and how you're supposed to get there. Bernard has all the answers, right? And so what we see is them ultimately all die. And then there's a second reversion reboot, as we would like to say. And the same thing occurs. And he makes um, her in this different version an unconvincing pledge that maybe um, Bernard failed so many times in these simulations Uh, because he has no poker face let's be real but ultimately what we see here is the difference that when this is all over he says he will send her to the sublime and reunite her with her daughter which we can all go into and talk about because we all have a lot of opinions about this mother-daughter trope that we want Maeve to be against because that just only takes away from the character development we've seen this season and last season Um, but they overcome this second simulation um, and they head off to take out Dolores's tower, leaving the gate open to reboot Heaven and what's gonna happen here. And so we go back to our favorite then, Christina's apartment, which we're gonna talk about a little bit more in depth here later. And Teddy finally tells her that she's one of the multiple permutations of Dolores, and that Holoris, not Dolores, but Haloris is one of them as well and she learns that like many of us and what i think maybe i would do is learning when you're having an existential crisis um, she goes and locks herself in a bathroom drowns herself in a tub been there um and she survives and emerges reborn and she knows exactly what she needs to do to stop this marcy kristen i'm guessing you've been in the same scenario
2: you know, I, you know, don't have a tub to drown myself in, but I definitely relate to the feeling. But I will say, I mean, she's baptizing herself, isn't she? Yeah.
1: Yeah, the symbolism there was for me extremely strong in regards to like a baptismal kind of rebirth, right? In the in the spirit in her own spirit, right? It's like a reclaiming of her of her soul since technically she is god like god baptizing themselves is something i'm i'm sitting with but yeah the baptismal symbolism was was definitely alive and well
0: and she comes out stronger in the end right like she is now this new version of christina and ultimately who she is, and I think it's so fascinating when you think about this baptismal language, and we look at the world in which we are. Did she have to go through this in order to fully immerse herself in the world that she was facing? I mean, I don't know the answer to that question, but there's not something very in the
1: Christ Tina needing.
0: Say not that again. Christ,
1: not Christina needing to suffer. And die, and then resurrect herself into a different form of being. Not, not that. What, what a strange trope to play
0: in Westworld. So who's God if she's Christ?
1: Oh, I'm Catholic.
0: Well, God I was is so ever-
2: technically technically <laughs> Jesus
1: technically. is God. Jesus, God, and the Holy is Spirit <laughs> are all playing in the same bathtub. <laughs>
2: Yeah, she just made Literally. her. She made she made more than three of her, but they're all her, right? Yep. they all have the same. All of the copies she made are all the same uh, substance. Yep.
0: What does it mean? I mean, really, she made three of herself, like this whole. She eternity. made
2: no. She made five of herself, didn't she? I she came know. out with. Five. There were six of them total, so she came out with five, of the little, pearls. The question, I think, I think one of them they made into Bernard, so maybe yep. there's only uh, four of them that were left. But I feel like all four of them were copies of her. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's a it's a plura singularity is the word Catherine Keller, shout out to process theology, would use, but it's a plura singular concept of divinity.
0: Wow you know, Catherine Keller, I never thought I'd hear that name ever again in my life, but here we are. You are
1: welcome. You are welcome. This is so much more highbrow than how we talk about Game of Thrones.
0: This is so much more highbrow with the dragons and to quote Marcy, wait, I, I won't say what Marcy said on the podcast, but Available now on iTunes um, for House of Dragons. Um, But nevertheless, we then go inside Olympiad uh, Entertainment, by the way. Um, I wonder what their streaming app is called. But that's a whole nother, I think, podcast at this point. Um, And Holoris tells the, I think at this point, 2,000 millionth version. But no, it's technically the 279th version of Caleb that she's going to shut down the cities tonight. And put humans in cold storage, just like they used to do the hosts in the bark. And he's. I'm sorry, there are some live.
2: humans
1: I would like to put in
0: cold storage. Just Agreed. saying. You, would you uh, like, I'll like I'll to name any? It, names?
1: I'll take it one step no. forward. I would like to put myself in cold storage right now. Yes, I would like that kind of nap. It <laughs> sounds wonderful. I feel like it's very Gen Z of me to be like, no cap, but I'll do it. Like, I I would.
0: I just want Same. a nap.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I just want a nap. But on you, Dolores. Jokes on you, Dolores. <laughs> <laughs> we actually want that. You're welcome. Um, but uh Caleb is really the bait to draw in Frankie and the rebels to the city, and they are just here uh just in time. And the host in black is obviously not happy about this new development. And He says, uh, Halora says more hosts have taken their lives in the last three days than the last two decades because of this whole um, complex of problems that she's been experiencing with hosts being exposed to these outliers. And if they don't do something soon, there'll be no more of their kind left. But ultimately, then Frankie and the remaining crew arrive in the city and they're split up into teams. Um, Frankie and Stubbs are gonna rescue Caleb. Bernard and Maeve, 2.0 by the way, are gonna take out the tower. And Odina is just gonna sit there and get the boat and make sure they go back in time. But both Maeve and Bernard say their goodbyes. And I kind of really saw this in a way that they knew they weren't gonna make it back. Mm -hmm. And Maeve, like we've talked about Kirsten in that scene where Caleb realizes he is a host. She just wanted to see him one more time to know that she kept her promise. And we don't get that payoff in the end.
2: No, I am, I'm pretty sad about that because I was really expecting that they would have a, a reunification at some point. But I am hopeful, fingers crossed, that it does happen at some point. So I hold out hope.
0: Marcy probably has a lot to say about the WB-HBO Max merger.
1: I can't say too much about it since I grew up in a WB family, but do I think that there is some wild shit going on right now? Yes. Am I pretty sure this is a final series ending? Kind of. Um, But maybe not. Maybe not. There's still so much to work with here, right? Like, I was just thinking, like, as an ex-evangelical, right, even, the itch I get at the narrative that, like, the rebels telling the truth too loudly is causing folks to just end it, right? And I'm like, oh, there's still such a playground here for theological discussion in Westworld that, like, even when the show's deviated and I've been a critic, I'm like, this is still philosophically one of my favorite playgrounds that HBO has offered us for, pop culture criticism
0: it, it really is because what we ultimately see is this sandbox that i think we're all supposed to be playing in right and ultimately with this world of inquiry there's a lot to interpret because i don't know if the answer that we actually think is the answer is the answer for a lot of these questions but nevertheless bernard and Stubbs, our favorite duo comedy um, says that you know they part their ways because Bernard tells Stubbs uh, to go left <laughs> and he goes right. but he ultimately says, you're definitely gonna die. Yeah,
2: and no, so- I thought that was hilarious that Bernard like that Stubbs can tell Bernard is saying goodbye to him when Bernard is like actually nice because usually he's just a dick. Um, and Bernard is like, no, you've been a good friend and Stubbs like, oh man.
0: Sure, like, <laughs> I'm gonna die. <laughs> this
2: is it, it's, isn't it? This is it. You're only nice when I'm on my deathbed. So
0: it's like Stranger Things. I was like, oh, I know who's gonna die here uh, ultimately. Uh, but we see them part ways and we go back to the control room of Olympiad, and Halora sends out an encrypted messages to the hosts to say, enjoy the cities and go murder each other literally, like just go chaos city, um, but then down in cold storage, the host in black, which is interesting because it's kind of like the maker meets his product in a way wakes up the wheat, the real William for one last meeting. And he wants to know what William would do to stop Polaris from taking his world away. And much like, and I really miss the real William in here. He just gives you so many zingers, but they're so like full of meaning and what we're supposed to unwind here. And he says, cultures don't survive, cockroaches do. The second we stop being cockroaches, the whole species went went extinct. When we're not here to transcend, we're here to destroy. Uh, William tells and the host in black is like this version of him and he gets it, but the only way he knows what has to be done is what he ultimately knows because he is a part of him. And the host in black says he understands. And then rest in peace, original William, as he gets stabbed in the heart. Ugh.
1: I feel like it's like almost like a like the id meets the ego meets the super ego. And like we get to go on this kind of really interesting arc with the man slash host slash, you know, forever dead um, man in black, right? Where... I still think we're supposed to relate significantly with the man in black, like, and with his arc. And I don't know what that means particularly, like on a human level, where we watch, we watch, we just watch him go through a significant amount of growth as a symbol for power, and then ultimately for humanity. And like, it's just, it's, an interesting arc for me. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of of Will right when when this started off but that's the type of character that I grow to love and I still think it's hard to let go
2: I think one of the things I really like in stories if I can find it um, and I think this is one of those stories is that I it doesn't shy away from the monstrous parts of humanity Mm -hmm. so instead of trying to put distance between like humans and the horrors that humans can experience by saying only monsters would do that. It, we are the monsters, right? Like, we are the ones who can, you know, create and enact this kind of terror. Um, and I think William's character is one of those that's like, we want to paint him as a monster because he does some very horrible things, but ultimately, like kind of the, the, the point the show is making is that humans are capable of doing that kind of stuff
1: right and
2: it's complexity. not just one kind of human it's like humans plural mm-hmm. in their collective are able to do this kind of crap so
0: humans are <laughs> capable of doing this but then ultimately there's so much more than their actions at the same time it's not white and black in so many ways
2: No, it's much more complicated than that, right? Like, we're also capable of doing incredible, incredibly good things. And I think that's the thing that it's really hard to wrap your mind around is that we can't just paint people as monsters because that distances us from it. But
1: we are capable of that. Even the language, right? Like, humans are, no, we are. No, I am. I am capable of monstrous things and I am capable of like very heroic things, right? Like I have done stupidly heroic things and I have done things that like my heart still aches at the lack of humanity in that moment. Right. And like the man in black, I think really just brings us to that complexity and does not let us opt out of the narrative of Westworld, which is we are the monsters, right? We are the gods. We are the monsters. We are the programmers, we are the deprogrammers, right? Like if we can leave the show with that as like a like takeaway, then I think the show has done us a really special thing, right? But I think it's hard for us to like really have that moment with ourselves of like even when first episode, when we were writing about Westworld before we podcasted, we talked about what would we do on a trip to the OG Westworld? Like, what would we do? Right. And like there's a distancing of like I wouldn't I wouldn't kill anyone like or I wouldn't like go to the brothel right and like live out some like depraved fantasies but the truth is the show is asking us to really look deeper and have conversations of like what would you do with like unlimited power and also with like no one to hold you accountable but yourself
0: yeah I mean I don't know what I would do I'd probably eat a lot
1: I was lie. about to say eat, which is, like, really sad.
0: <laughs> eat. Yeah. Not murder or man. <laughs> well, we all go back to the Olympiad Tower. Christina uses her newfound superpower, by the way, to trigger a fire alarm. Wish I had that. Evacuate the building. And I will just say the writers really gave her a lot of leeway here. Because she essentially just, like, makes way of like multiple episodes, probably in a show with like a single phrase. Um, But she gets rid of the guards and overrides the security system, unlocks all the doors. She frees Caleb. He's a ghost from her past she no longer recognizes. And chaos subsumes, right? Stubbs and Frankie are slipping in unnoticed. It's easy as they look for him. They stumble upon the body of William and Stubbs basically says, bye girl. Um, and after they reach this fork in the road that Bernard told him about, he makes a left, leading them to Caleb. And at first, Caleb doesn't really think it's the real Frankie, um, and thinks it's one of Holoris's, like sadistic tricks. True, I would be in the same way. But in the end, she convinces him by reminding them of their pet name he had for her when she was a kid. And they have the tearful reunion we've been waiting for since what, Kirsten, like episode three?
2: Yes, I mean... I honestly feel like since episode one for me, but yeah. I remember what, what episode C, the character C was introduced, but I basically knew from the very beginning that it was her. So, but yeah, I think-
0: You did, you called it.
2: I did. Uh, I feel like it was after three other seasons of Westworld, it's like, if you don't see that coming, like that's exactly the kind of the
0: storytelling they beautiful. love. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So Maeve 2.0 and Bernard arrive at the tower where he tells her the truth about the mission and that they're essentially all going to (laughs) die. No Mm -hmm. one's going to win. They're all going to die, but they can still fight. And that choice has to be hers. And of course, knowing our queen Maeve, she's like, bring it on. But we then see Haloris having this moment and Haloris is a god figure right in here, but she wants to transcend even further. I don't know how a God's going to out God, God. Marcy, do you know how a God out God's God?
1: I don't know. I feel like that's the part of, um, what was it? The Eternals that I was like, maybe I need to opt out of the God conversation because I find it cyclical. And then I end up going around and around of the ways in which we talk about divinity. Um, a God is going to God is gonna god is gonna god which to anyone who's been in a youth group right we we hear it all the time like truth is truth is truth is truth right um Holoris, dolores christina they're just gonna god which i think we'll talk about a bit more in the final episode but for me it's just cyclical like i think it's just watching really similar loops which obviously is a theme right um
2: I think it's really interesting that this transcendence has to be unembodied Mm -hmm. in some way, like at least leaving behind the humanness of whatever the host body is. So the host body isn't fully human, obviously, but it does have a lot of human characteristics. But her whole emphasis in this transcendence, and again, this isn't transcendence of the blind because she doesn't have access to it. Right. It's like... It's something else somewhere else, Um, and it seems a little bit unclear as to where their consciousness or whatever goes, but I do think if they retain some kind of physical form, it's definitely not a human form, so there is something there she has about, and there's something there about embodiment that is...
1: Well, there's a uh, nod to it, right, with those white, um, kind of muscular-looking, like, there is already a transcendence beyond the human body in the next kind of steps that were built around these original hosts right um that that denounces kind of like a gendered human capsule uh but whatever's beyond the sub john that's where we're gonna end up because you and i don't have access to the sublime no way we're going to the we're going to the other place kirsten's gonna have to send us postcards (laughs) What makes you think I'm going to end up there?
0: The good place? Are we all going it's to the be good a, place?
1: You and I are not ending up in the good place. kirsten's ending Wait, up in isn't the,
0: the good place. place. Not the good place. That's all. <laughs> oh, he, see, it's, compli- it's complex. It's complex. It's complex. The medium place.
2: It's, it's the place. It's it's right.
0: medium place that we need. Yeah, we do uh, need the medium place. I would rewatch the good place right now if I didn't have to like worry about having like a my head exploding from how complicated that show is. Okay. So we're at the top of the tower. We see Halora's wanting to God and to a new God and to another God. But before she's interrupted by everyone's favorite HBIC, Maeve 2.0, who has decided to stand with Bernard and a great fight sequence ensues. Um, They're evenly matched, but in the end Maeve 2.0 is shot in the head in the back uh, by the host in black. But wait, you think he's done? He's there and he also shoots Haloris at the same time because they're playing the game Survival of the Fittest and he delivers a fateful blow to her pearl as well. But then we see back in the control room, Bernard leaving a really cryptic message, more to come on that later in the next episode, before coming to -to face-to-face with the host in black who monologues like all white men do before proving his point um and shooting Bernard in the chest and you know man you know I did notice that like like most men and I know um and Marcy and I have talked about this a lot if you are triggered by us throwing this much shade at men it's not about it it actually is about you but it's not about you it's about
1: you It's it's not
0: about you so check yourself before you wreck yourself. But ultimately uh, we see him then ultimately kill Bernard as he lies dying um, and replaying the scenario in his head after sending out the message that every scenario ends with his death. And then goodbye Bernard fulfilling his prophecy. But then back with Frankie, Caleb and Stubbs, they make it down to the subway and just as the signal goes out to break all hell out and go loose, they escape, but Frankie gets shot in the leg. Sorry, Frankie. But then out on the street, we're left to really figure out the last two morsels that lead us into the next episode, where Christina tries to make everything stop. She's a powerful God. She is God in many ways. Right. Or Christina and how Marcy talks to her. But she's negated by that tone and no one sees her. And she wondering is like, what's going on? And the bombshell of the whole series, in my opinion, comes out and says, No one can see you because you're actually not real. And then we're left with a host in black, decked out in its classic Westworld season one attire, strutting out into the mayhem of the city as the tower explodes behind him, ready for the chaos of the final episode. End of episode.
1: Are Thanks. you okay? Because you really walked through Maeve's death there like a hero. Like, you okay? Yeah.
0: I'm not okay. Maeve is our queen. She's my queen. I think she is the, she is the person that we all strive to be, but she's not the original Maeve in this way that I'm used to thinking of her as. And so I kind of got over it in a different aspect.
1: Okay. Just checking in on you. I, I, I just want to make sure you're okay.
2: <laughs> I don't understand what the Point of Maeve in this season was in the first half. I get it. Maybe not. What was it like episode four where things took a shift? Yep. But it Bernard insists that she's the weapon that they needed in order to win out in the end. And honestly, I don't know. I don't know. It that was she all asked. a lie. I think it was like, that's where I'm like, is Bernard just saying what he needs to say in order to get everyone to move? Like he's moving the chess pieces around to set up the only option for what could be a checkmate in which they don't quite win in a traditional sense of winning, but that there's some kind of chance for life to go on. But like, she's not, she ultimately doesn't end up really doing anything. I mean, that fight sequence, we didn't really talk about it, but that fight sequence between, Maeve and Holoris was pretty epic and I enjoyed seeing um Mm. the two of them spar like that but in the end like her getting shot just makes it feel like her whole story arc over four seasons was pointless I was gonna say Um, what end and I understand that like no host is ever really dead dead and if there is a season five which I hope there is she probably will reappear in some form, but it just felt like, I don't know. It was really disappointing.
0: It really was. I mean, Maeve was meant for so much more in the season. I mean, when we remember the first part, she's the reason why all of this started off. I mean, the host in Black was sent out to find her, to to get her. She's the one that has this connection with Caleb, but then... 20 years ago 40 years ago however long goes and they did our mave dirty in my opinion
1: well i would so, say the trinity itself right which i i would consider the trinity uh og dolores um right bernard and mave right who start off as kind of these like moral ethical pillars in the original se- like season to this like to this episode right um it's difficult to trace the why on on a significant amount right but particularly hard with Maeve and particularly hard because her storyline especially the really discombobulated attachment to motherhood right and then this kind of out of nowhere finality to her story as just like a means to an end for Bernard kind of checkmating a possibility Whereas Mae felt like more than just collateral damage to possibility is difficult to to understand without the hope of like we'll get, we'll understand more of this in season five, right? Um, it's it's just not a very clean goodbye.
0: If we get a season five,
1: if we get a season five, yeah. So
0: Kirsten, and I think take the, your I was,
1: oh, Well, I was gonna say
2: the other thing I, before I move on to the other takeaways. I have I do want to say one little thing about the motherhood piece. I know you have talked about this a lot, the two of you on this podcast and on the blog before, but, and I've mentioned it as well, but like the fact that at the beginning of this episode, Mave is still focused. Like, even if it wasn't the same version of Mave, it was a version of Mave, And I don't think it was a creation of Bernard's imagination. It was a simulation of what could possibly happen. That, Even now, she still has this attachment to motherhood, as Marcy put it. Even though the last time we see her daughter, her daughter was actually like happily with another host as the mother. And the reason she left her go is because she sees her daughter is happily attached to this other host and wants both of them to survive, even if it means without her, the daughter without her. So I feel like we've already seen her kind of mourn that and I don't understand what the shit like it just feels like beating a dead horse to be yeah. like oh she needs motherhood even though we have already seen that storyline reach its end she's not going to go into the sublime and like take the daughter back from this other like at all of that about uh we could make some comments here about how terrible adoption can be and foster the foster system and how all of that just like messes everything up but um I just I don't understand what they're doing and I feel like it's a trope that needs to die
1: and I think you're like hitting it like right on the mark for me because I think that the way in which they closed out right that motherhood um loop for her and also that urgency and need for her child, the motherhood in her was closed in a way that I was able to be like, okay, cool. Like it wasn't my favorite way to talk about motherhood, but it was fun to critique. It was fun to talk it out and then to bring it back out, right? When it is closed out organically in a way that respected Maeve's autonomy as a person. And so what I feel like we lose is Maeve's autonomy and agency in her own like self-determination which is I know a stupid thing to say within the context of Westworld but it's like there's something being said about motherhood being coded into women TM that leaves me deeply deeply cold right because I was like we close this out we've talked this through we had a really beautiful example of how love motherhood community means wanting the best for whoever you've been given to be in charge of, right? And then we somehow end up back at, yeah, but she's coded to prioritize motherhood TM over everything and to, and to no end, right? Again, to, to what end? So it, yeah, I just, I feel very similar to you where I'm like, uh, we, we already did this. Well, and, and to a certain extent,
2: Dolores too, right? Like right. the or, original Dolores isn't that way and very clearly acts in ways that are counter to that but holoris the reason she becomes the villain is because she loses her family right. and particularly her child so i don't know it just it feels like they're supposed to be two versions of this uh you know trope of motherhood is what is programmed into women and i don't know that i am okay with that but I feel like at this point,
0: we're just... Also, I feel like it's they're trying to say it's unprogrammable, right? Like, there's this level of, like, cynicism with me where they're trying to say, like, you've seen Maeve this whole way through, but there's still this level of programming that she can't even undo. And that's just, like, some innate, like, not not even a host can
1: choose to be childless without
0: (laughs) not even a
1: host can can escape the same fucking conversations we're all having on the day-to-day if we choose not to have kids yeah that's maybe that's what what is so powerful about the tension right there that we're feeling
0: so kirsten walk me through your other top top three okay
2: so the other one one of the other ones is about Um, who has experienced the metanoia that the title of the episode refers to. So again, if this is a conversion, like some kind of spiritual conversion um, from some kind of like an inner penitence or an inner change of heart. um, I'm curious as to who the show is depicting as having experienced this metanoia. And I kind of rule out Bernard Stubbs, the host in black and William. Like I don't think any of them look like they've had some kind of conversion. I think William as like human William and Post and black William come to some kind of understanding um, with each other, but I wouldn't call it a conversion. I think it's more of a realization of who they are or what they're really like in a fully, fully embracing it in a way. Um, I could be wrong if you want to disagree with me. Um, In terms of like Maeve, I, I don't know that we really are able to see if there was any kind of conversion there either. Again, there almost was like she was reverting in some of the versions of maybe we saw reverting back to who she was in earlier seasons, like the motherhood trope. Um, And obviously we already referenced Christina slash Dolores, Tina Loris, whatever you want to call her, um, had this moment of baptizing herself in the tub and coming out of that water, leaving behind The old understanding to embrace the new understanding of who she really is. Um, What I'm also curious about is whether Holoris Charlotte has an experience of metanoia. Um, I don't know that what she's feeling is penitence. I don't know that she's feeling like sorry for her actions. I feel like she's just disappointed and it actually paints her as kind of like this mother divine figure that's just super disappointed in all of her creations.
0: What do you think? Yeah, there's something about all of these characters at the moment that just seems like in this episode that they had to get to the ending and they kind of made some sacrifices. It's what we talked about at the beginning, right? The storytelling was on point, the narratives were going really strong, but there was gonna be that moment where they started making some choices. Right. And I think ultimately what we have here is those choices, right? We have Christina needing to take on like a character A in the story now. When I think in most of the season, she's kind of been the subplot in many ways. And Maeve's really been like the main point. Um, and they have to switch so abruptly. And then Haloris' role having to kind of come full circle from multiple seasons I mean ultimately leading up to where we'll get in episode eight with her but then with Bernard kind of always being Bernard right like setting this path leading people to whatever form of enlightenment they would like to choose and then getting there and ultimately what does that mean but I agree with you I think that Maeve storyline was good for four episodes maybe five and then we're kind of left going what that's not fair to the character. And I know Marcy loves Maeve.
1: <laughs> I don't not love Maeve. I don't. I think I've just experienced a significant amount of trauma in the Maeve storyline that I think uh, makes her just complicated for me. But I, but I think um, to, to Kirsten's point, and I think this is really actually a combo for her, the last episode but i will say that um to lead into what my observations are of the final episode there is a melancholia in spanish melancholia there's a melancholy to every single arc in this episode that i think in 2022 situated where we are as as humans in this moment um feels heavier than i would like in in the sense that like i i feel the despair and the kind of um hopelessness of both like oblivion and eternity in this in this episode and in the characters processing all of this right? So I have more thoughts on that when we talk about um, episode eight, but it's just, I think it is, this is not a show that you take, that you watch without your Lexapro right now, right? It's just, (laughs) it is heavy as shit when it comes to, to asking ourselves why,
0: like, why am I here? (laughs) Why are we here? Why are we doing this? What's going on? (laughs) <laughs> um, let's get to the final episode of the season, maybe series. We'll get there. Um, ap- aptly titled K Sarah Sarah. Okay, Marcy, do you want to sing it with me? K K <laughs>
1: whatever
0: whatever will be. be, will be. be. <laughs> so this. The musical interlude brought to you by Martha Cecilia Ovedia and John Erickson. Um, we're available for weddings, um, bar mitzvahs, and uh, whatever else you would like to do. Kids Erics, <laughs> right? Um, if you would like, um, is titled uh, from a famous song by Doris Day, but it translates obviously into whatever will be, will be. And this is, I don't know, tell me what you think. I think this is like the biggest middle finger to the entire network saying, if you don't renew us, like here you get one of the most ambiguous endings and <laughs> Marcy has no, um, uh, no faith, uh, no fate, uh, but no fidelity towards the HBO WB merger that's been going on with this intellectual property, but definitely whatever will be, will be here.
1: What a testament to showrunners trying to do right by their viewers though, right? So if this is the end, it is an end we can talk about for a very long time if it's not the end, right? Um, I think it leaves the series at a really good point for potentially a final conversation that has been set up, teed up for four seasons. So, and yeah, if I'm throwing shade at someone, I am. I'm throwing shade at the showrunners of Game of Thrones.
2: <laughs> I was going to uh, say, maybe. this is this is no last season of Game of Thrones for sure.
0: No, not at all. No, it's definitely not. That was, a,
2: that was a burning dumpster fire. So
0: burning dumpster fire i i mean look i will say i can still
1: smell that dumpster fire
0: oh yeah no it's it smells like
1: pirates of the caribbean every time i think
0: um it's a
1: very specific (laughs) smell but it will forever be like my my
0: deb's burnt hair
1: yeah it's like that's where i go and i'm like there was an ethic of care for the story here in case discovery is literally gonna even gut Westworld for parts right it will Wait, which the would be very
0: Westworld? I'm so behind on my intellectual property takeover
1: yeah we're so there's a lot of uh stuff just disappearing off of HBO like not just like being moved or it's going elsewhere it is literally stuff is disappearing a really good example is Anne Hathaway's The Witches is no longer anywhere available anywhere. And when you think about that like in the longer kind of broader spectrum for artists for the entire collective that works on projects for their art to just disappear for no there's no reason, right? Like this is, these are projects that were created already. The there's no like cost to them. They're just being erased. That girl the film is another one that was just scrapped even though it was done. It could have just been dropped, right? Um we have I think an interesting moment for HBO and the discovery thing with Game of Thrones, uh, not Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon this week being the largest ever uh, opening episode for a series in, uh, I think it's in history. It's not just in HBO history, in history, 10 million viewers, um, which is great, but it's its not a great moment for the catalog. And it's also just not a great moment for... What, what we would call experimental shows, right? So shows like Westworlds, shows like Stranger Things, um, shows like Severance, right? These shows that don't stand on intellectual property that folks already know and love, right? Are a very expensive risk. And when they pay off, my God, do they pay off, right? But right now we live in a marble universe where everything is you know redundant it's it's just we're pulling the same stuff over and over again because it makes money right like we're about to get eight top guns so so a show like westworld eight eight eight, we're gonna get eight eight, nine i don't know what if i don't know what my god
2: can i can i make an admission here on this podcast the first time publicly i have never seen top gun the original nor did i see the reboot so i am a top gun virgin safe Mm -hmm.
0: space i finally watched the original top gun this a couple months ago and then when i was in chicago i said you know what i'm gonna go see the second one and i will say it's gay porn by the way it's literal gay porn and i did cry at the end (laughs)
1: Austin, I'm look, I'm not going to judge because I really for the first time ever saw Top Gun when it got re-released and I went with my brother and my husband and I was like, oh, this is just going to be such a bro movie. Um, I was really riding high on um, Portrait of a Lady on Fire and so I really was not in the mood to watch Top Gun. And to John's point, it is a queer masterpiece. <laughs> it's my favorite queer duology. I have seen the volleyball scene. Yeah, no, oh, yeah, all of it. It's all of it. It is just it's high camp. It is so much. But again, right, like it, it is, is gonna clear. Is, it is generationally beloved. We throw out a sequel, it makes a gajillion billion dollars, and they're like, Yes, let's scrap all of these projects that are just a little niche a little niche westworld is niche uh even though we don't think it is um it is it's it's a we literally were quoting process theology uh for the last episode you know
2: but i, I will say I, before we go back to actually talking about westworld which is what we're here to do i will say it makes sense though right why it's not just that they make money the marvel the superhero stuff and like things like top gun but that's what the military is giving money for in order yep. to make them, right? Didn't the military give money to make Top Gun? Didn't the military give money to make Marvel? Like- yes, the,
1: the military famously uh, funds a lot of these films that we know as like war films, um, but also- uh, The word you're looking have, for is propaganda. Yeah, I was going to say, they're they effectively- Propaganda.
0: propaganda. They, they, are definitely, fact- they definitely funded Practical Magic. <laughs>
1: That was the <laughs> that was the lesbians, John. They need, hey, up. that
0: was at, right before. Don't I mean during Don't Ask, Don't Tell? They're like, how do we get? <laughs> how you do know, we but, get witches in the military? Let's fund a movie about practice sisters practice. in Massachusetts. Exactly. Um,
1: I literally have the sticker for the like uh, Practical Magic. Like Practical no salt Magic
0: salt. is one of the best movies of all time, and mm-hmm. fight me.
1: Agreed. But to to Kirsten's point, and it'll actually bring us back to Westworld. Um, Yes, the military funds it. Uh, Whenever nationalism is high, there's a very specific type of film that resonates because it is propaganda, even if we don't understand it to be, right? Um, And the third part that I think is super important is we're looping right now. Because looping is human stimming, and we are in deep, deep emotional crisis as a humanity right now, right? We have deep, compounded trauma right now. We are a bit at a loss taking in everything around us being on fire. So, looping into comfort zones, right, makes sense, right? Like, Severance is a really good example. I literally can't right now. I am dying to watch that show, but my brain cannot process a show that like talks to the toxicity of workplace cultures and capitalism and how much I would love to opt out, right? So we're looping purposefully, but also unaware, like, which is very Westworld. It it, it literally shows us how the inevitability of our actions when we are programmed and in a, in a very close circuit. It is. I'm tired, y'all.
0: I know you are. You are on the East Coast. So, okay, everyone. So the Westworld Hunger Games are definitely underway and hosts be dying and people are hacking away at each other and it is a chaotic, messy, messy mess. It is more messy than I Love New York Season 2. And ultimately... It's basically
2: the purge. It's the purge.
0: It's It's the the purge. We're back at the beginning, everyone. We're back at the purge. And Kirsten love you because that's how we bring it back full circle it is the purge so the purge is going on in Westworld, and ultimately everyone is picking off each other um, and they are off uh, the host in black is off to go to the sublime back at the Hoover Dam shout out they got their money's worth this time, even though there is a water shortage out here in the West, and they're definitely finding dead bodies um, out there in Lake Mead. Shout out to uh, those individuals that thought that that water level would never go down. Um, and ultimately, what we see here is on the Tower Island, the drone hosts are salvaging and repairing Holoris. She isn't as dead as we thought she was, and they upgrade her body back to kind of really old-school Dolores um, that we saw in previous seasons where it's not the body uh, that's like corporeal with like blood, fake blood and organs, but it's really the robot and it just has the skin on top. Um, and this is where she is being a shady queen like Orlena Terrell uh, would be proud of. And uh, this is where we do, Marcy, do the Olena do the Terrell quote for me.
1: I want her to know it was me.
0: That's right. And if you haven't, make sure you listen to our recap of House of Dragon, episode one, available now on all streaming networks. But- (laughs) ultimately um, after a quick change and it's a mad next inspired duds she's there she's ready she's locked herself out of the system she's made everyone as insane as she is um, and they're going over and contemplating her next move uh, she finds a tablet with a message from bernard recorded before his death and he says this isn't the world you wanted it's the world you created but what happens next segue over to Christina and Teddy who are there at Christie's apartment where she begins to piece through her true identity much like we are with James Marsden when he's watching us sleep uh, that's definitely how i feel every night um and she is a program without a body able to affect the world without being physically in it and everyone she's interacted with in the last few months was a creation of her own mind and in an attempt to wake herself up like we've seen in multiple seasons. Whereas Bernard, and I think you talked about this a couple of episodes ago, Kirsten, really set this path for her. But ultimately, it was always Christina that really set her path forward for her to wake herself up.
2: Yeah. I think, um, well, we see the map, It like she remembers, and I think one of the previous episodes, she that the map was how she woke herself up. Um, but we actually, I don't know, did you see the map uh, Easter egg in this episode?
0: Yes, they were all over.
2: Yeah. So um, when we flash back to the control room, we see um, the message Bernard actually left for Haloris um, that she has time for one more game, but the game isn't actually hers. And so this is when Haloris walks to the center of the room that had the map of the city. With the holographic image and she like smashes everything um, to make it go away. And when the floor breaks, it opens up, revealing that there is a pearl, which is we're supposed to understand Christina's pearl at the center. Um, when we get the overhead shot of this, that pearl is at the center of a maze. So the broken floor around the pearl is another image of the maze, which I thought was a really good callback um but as she pulls the pearl out from the floor um the city around teddy and christina starts to kind of glitch and Mm -hmm. this is when christina slash dolores is no longer connected to the world she becomes disconnected
0: she's finally disconnected she's free in some ways Right. Um, So we see back in the control room tower, Bernard tell her that she has time for one more game or as all the boys that I'm dating say, you have time for one more game, John, Um, but it's ultimately isn't hers. And she walks into the center of the map, smashes the floor, revealing Christina's pearl at the center. She removes the pearl from the floor and the city begins to glitch around her Um, around Teddy and Christina in the scenario, and Chrissy becomes disconnected from the world. So ultimately, what we've been seeing the entire time with Christina is this connection to the Pearl that she's been doing and having a huge effect as the storyteller. So Hale heads over to Olympiad. She discovers the body of real William, tracks down the duplicate, sends the hosts in the vicinity to kill him. She runs into Clementine, We love you, Clementine, who says she's going to live off the grid and maybe kill any outlier she finds out there. And I just want to choose to believe that I live in a world now where Clementine sits out there, like in the wild, like living her best life.
1: I
2: mean, that's what I want for her. Yeah, but that's not going to happen now
0: definitely not going to happen but somewhere between the city and the hoover dam the host in black stolen pickup gets ambushed uh we saw some original hosts we saw back in season three um they put uh host in black ain't going down too easy but we see them have a great conversation i want those vr classes by the way but we'll get there later on when apple Per, you know, purchases this IP or probably already has it. Um, and they go off and they're literally going to be there and burn it all down and have this ultimate fight in the end to the finish line to win this latest game. Um, Stubbs uh, and injured Frankie and Caleb make their way all the way to through these crazy streets um, to the docks to escape the city. And Caleb tries to hide that his host body is breaking down. Um, and rejecting his human mind because he's awoken in many ways and he's really not fooling anyone. Um, They're inside the store where the father and daughter kind of catch up. Stubbs runs into Clementine where she just has been tracking Frankie and he dies like Bernard says he would. And turns out uh, ultimately what we see is Clementine knowing where the outliers are hiding. But after thoroughly... Uh, getting there. She dies. He dies. No one makes it off the end. Caleb and Frankie make it to the dock. They have a moment. It's done. It's sad. I don't know why it's there. They say their emotional goodbye, and she falls off into the sunset. But really, now we get to the end game here, where we get to the Hoover Dam, where the host in black is there, and. Uh, was anyone triggered here like final Game of Thrones season where they're just going from parts of the map to other parts of the map like in a blinking um, eye?
2: Can we talk about how Holoris can somehow take her private jet, aka flying, but host in black takes a car and then a horse yep. and gets there before? despite the fact that I thought they were in actual New York going to actual Hoover Dam outside of Las Vegas. It That's is- a long way, y'all. That's a really long way. How does someone in a broke-ass <laughs> car and a horse come on now. faster than a plane?
1: If come on now. thing from the Kardashians in the last two weeks is that it takes three minutes, right, to jump on a private jet to get from like Trader Joe's to Sprouts if you're inconvenienced like so agreed with with both of you that there is a bit of the Game of Thrones like jumping for the sake of jumping time-wise that feels just it it feels rushed but I'm gonna give some grace that it is rushed because this is potentially the final episode (laughs) so it is very very rushed in regards to how quickly we're moving through
2: it it's things like this that pull me out of the world like I am willing to suspend a lot of my disbelief but it's things like this where I'm like Mm -hmm.
1: I can't like come on like also because the option to just appear is always there so like whenever I have like scenes like this where I'm like wait but the logistics don't make sense the option to appear where you needed to get to as a storyteller with no conversation about time because then you input the time yourself right by reading markers in the room right subtext is there but when you give us such a funny kind of parallel of like a jet and a fuck like a fucking burro right and it's like makes sense, especially those of us who have driven, like, the, like, it's just like, okay, sure. Um, and I think it's to make, like, I think they, the visual identity, right, of the the host in Black, the man in Black, right, being still this kind of callback to Cowboy Westworld, right, and Holoris being just, like, clearly grounded in this, like, futuristic, probable probability that she banked everything on. So it needs to be a jet just falls flat. We don't actually need that type of like visual storytelling to tell us that one of them is stuck in the past visually and the other is not. We just don't need it.
0: Yeah. I mean ultimately what we see here is a very elongated fight between between two people um who could have had it all. And we see them go turn and turn. And ultimately, what we see is Bernard's final message. And what we've been left with for most of the season is what we hoped he would get to is that their world holds no more hope for hosts and us, but there's still hope for the next world. And a test run by her, who we're still supposed to believe is Christina, aka the original. Dolores, if she chooses to, and if you choose to, Haloris, give her that last choice. And we see this amazing scene and an amazing fight. Holores makes her choice. She reaches for a gun that we then see Bernard in a previous version of The Gate in the last episode, blowing the host in black away, RIP. She cuts open a skull and then crushes her pearl in her hand as she walks away. He is gone. She's Taken out the host in black. And so we she, she saves the sublime, then uploads the storyteller, Christina, into the system, closes the door to the other world, walks out to the riverbank, removes her pearl, and crushes it. Ending her life. And this is where we're going to get into some of the big time philosophical issues, right, Marcy and Kristen? Where we say, what happens when a God wants to God or when a God doesn't want a God anymore?
1: When God opt out.
0: <laughs> what what is it like when God's like, you know what? I'm good.
1: So I'm gonna I'm gonna say uh that I actually don't think this is an opt-out. I think this is a perpetuation of uh believe it or not the motherhood trope again which is a maternal it's actually paternalistic in the way it's written but a maternalistic instinct of I can save this I can save what I've done by this ultimate sacrifice and I, I have a lot of thoughts on this right um that start with actually the the creation of Christina the storyteller right? All the way to, to Holoris sitting on the edge of the water, right? Rejecting the a baptismal scene, rejecting, it. there is symbolism there. And, and to a certain extent saying, I'm going to do the thing that must be done at the cost of my existence for my, my dream and for, for myself, because there's that conflation of Dolores Holoris, right? Like to do better. Um, but I have a lot of thoughts on this. I'd like to hear everyone else and I'll I'll collect mine.
2: I don't see this. I mean, it is a quote unquote opting out in the sense that she's like, I'm going to pull myself out of the equation. I don't know if the story was intending for it to appear as though she is quote unquote sacrificing herself, but that's not how I read it. She is evading responsibility. She is running away from taking responsibility for all of the terror, the horror that she has inflicted on everyone, human and host alike around her. And so her just sort of crushing her own pearl into oblivion is a way for her to not have to take any responsibility for that at all. And I think the symbolism of her sitting next to the river, right, like if Christina fully submerges herself in the bath to fully awake uh, become awake and to realize who she is and then to try to do something about it which in the closing scene which we haven't talked about like we see that kind of renewed sense of purpose in Dolores right. but with Hale with Holoris she has none of that she actually rejects the conversion that's why I said in the last in my takeaway from the last episode it's not clear that she has any kind of metanoia like she is there's some change happening there but it's more disappointment. And in the end, I think it's cowardice that she ends up removing herself from having to take any responsibility at all and just le- lets uh, Dolores have the entire responsibility for fixing it. It's like, well, I guess I effed it up beyond what I can do, and so I'm just going to leave yeah. someone else to clean up my mess. And I was like, okay, okay, I guess that tracks with that character, but I don't
1: know. It feels really corporate to me. And and I actually want to talk about Dolores, the storyteller on a corporate desk, and then Holoris, the corporate CEO, uh, jumping ship, right? And why it feels oddly real to me. So like, um, we all work in different sectors, but they're actually super interconnected. We've got academia represented, government, nonprofit, philanthropy. It is so common right? That you have a fucking toxic beast of a, of a CEO, right? Who for years, right? Is just the unspoken rot in the room. Right. And when it finally catches up with them, they step down. Right. And then they bring in right now in 2022, they bring in a person of color and they're like, fix it. And you have like a year to do it because if you don't do it in a year, we're gonna say you weren't capable to do it. We're also not gonna resource you to do it. Um, But that's what it feels like. I think when I'm watching the what like this kind of like the right thing for me to do is to pass. No, it's not like there is no right or wrong thing to do, but there there has to be action for Haloris to be part of the narrative, right? So, like that oblivion that I was talking about, right, is so, like, it feels so human and it feels so cowardly. And I think it connects to me if we're talking about gods, which I think we are going to. It feels very, um, it feels like the antithesis of like an overarching kind of godly act. But then when I think of Dolores being the storyteller, at a desk, unaware of her power as a god in the daily grind, right? Um, and I compare that to to Holoris's ultimate power to the point where she can literally manipulate people to hold her during a dance sequence, right?
0: Oh, There's a the inequity, best scene in the
1: entire season, right? There's this human discussion on power inequity and like hierarchies of power um, that I think is interesting, but. Yeah, just like a disc like a I say it a lot, but like it was it was a discombobulating scene. Um, it was interesting to watch a wo- part of a woman do it, right? So the ro- the robotic parts of her body are meant to take us out of it being fully like a a feminine moment, right? To remind us of the clinicalness of Holoris, but yet it is a woman that is doing it right and handing it over to a woman. Um and I'm still sitting with that, <laughs> sitting with a lot
0: of it. It's interesting because like with Dolores, she or her Loris, she's a different character. I don't know. Like there's just some imagery there with her that ultimately I'm always drawn back to that. She is a copy of the original Dolores, right? But where did she have this experience? And for her to choose what she did at the end, it's like, Is she just freeing herself up for the original in many ways or for the original dolores to do what we then see do at the final last couple of scenes i I don't know the answer to that but what happens when god gives up is the question that i've been really left with or maybe not so much giving up i think that's the reductionist version of it what happens when godding becomes too hard (laughs) I I wonder if it's
1: like, what what happens when you realize that the cycle will continue, right? Or
0: as we talked about, what happens when you know that the choice is the choice and that to redo everything and to go through all the pain and struggle and get to the same outcome, you still do it anyways.
1: Let's ask our philosopher, because you're a historian and I'm an ethicist, so... What do you think, Kirsten? Come
0: on, philosopher, Kirsten, you have to speak for all.
1: For all philosophers. For right all
0: now. philosophers.
2: Okay, well, hold off, y'all, on uh, making me dance like a monkey. Um, I, I still think like you're asking this question of like what happens when a god doesn't want a god anymore. I still see it as her copping out. I feel like they're the I don't I don't know that I have a philosophical response to it other than to say I think it is it would be a much more interesting story to me if she were to actually say like to own the mistake and to say how can I help Dol- Dolores OG Dolores do what she needs to do why why did she have why did she opt out and that's where I think she had grown bored. That's what she said in an earlier episode and why she wanted to transcend, but she didn't even want to transcend anymore. And Oblivion. That, yeah, she I think she just doesn't didn't want to exist, and that's why I don't think that's a sacrifice. I think that was literally just her saying, "I have experienced everything I feel like I want to experience. There's nothing left for me to experience, and I am now going to go into non-existence." and not have to deal with any of the consequences. And I don't know that she ever recovered any sense of connection to humanity that Dolores ended up actually developing, which is why she shifted gears between the end of season two into season three. We don't see that kind of change in Holoris at all. So I, I don't know, like I, if the theological question there is what happens when gods don't want a God anymore, I don't, I think that depending on what religious tradition we're talking about, it would indicate she wasn't really a god in a certain sense after all, if she decides to just opt out. Because Dolores then ultimately is the divine who says, I'm going to try to do something about this. Even if, and Bernard too, right? Bernard's like, hey, pretty much every option that we, every path that we could possibly follow is going to end up in everyone's destruction. But there's like, a possible slim chance of hope in this one, so I'm going to try anyway. Like, that seems like a godlike action, but Dolores just is like, well, I tried. Peace out, bitches. See you later.
1: Right. I don't know. I do know that there's multiple readings when you look at the fandom of, like, did she sacrifice herself to give this timeline with OG Dolores a shot? It Then the reading of she just... Fundamentally opted out, which is probably the most human thing she's done, right? Is the antithesis of godly, which is to just opt out into oblivion, I'm out, right? Um, like uh non-existence is neutral, but the effects of it are not, right? So um the the idea of a scene where Holores hands her own pearl over to Dolores, right? Right. Or or some sort of acknowledgement of I got it wrong, right, would paint a different relationship between the plethora of lorises that we have Um, for a conversation on not only accountability, but to not make that boredom line so nihilistic, right? The fact that like you could get enough in existence to be like, fuck it, right? And as humans, like who exists in a world where belief on of the divine is, is, you know, in, in every kind of, uh, even it, it, it plays out in so many different ways. There isn't, I think a single tradition where the idea of God being like, I'm bored is not terrifying. Like we look at like, when I think of like the Ark, right. Right. And like God being like, I, th- I think this beta version sucks so let's build a boat and let's just start over again, right? Um, God is still accountable to that destruction, right? It's not like he left no trace of the destruction. Like we have the, and obviously um, we're talking about like biblical fiction, like, but like we have the account of the annihilation, which is in and of itself accountability for it, right? That a God could look at its creation, its, its attempts at manipulating whatever was happening and being like, meh, no. Um, whereas the handing over of Holoris is without a single thread to, left, right? Unless Dolores, OG Dolores decides to tell the story, right? And I don't get the sense of that from that final scene. That um, we will have like, um, I don't even know how to describe it, but like that we'll have chapters on like the like scriptures on the original experiences of the hosts, right? That we will have reflections back versus just a new attempt.
2: Yeah, I mean, if we were if the story was going to be biblical in its most literal sense uh it would be the flood destroying the earth we're gonna start over kind of a thing which i mean you kind of do get Get that that. if with odina or odina and frankie kind of floating away as the humans (laughs) that survive to go back to the other rebels um but i also think there is I, i am much less well versed in um the mythology like ancient mythologies that uh Are like no longer around, like people aren't actively, uh, you know, in Greek mythology or Roman mythology. But like, I do in pop culture think of the storyline from the magicians in which the gods like tried to do something and then were like, oops, that just, that didn't seem to go so well. Um, And so there there are, I think, mythologies out there in which the gods are like, we did this thing and we thought it was gonna be great. And then this wasn't, oops, oops let's try that again one more time with feeling you know
0: right or my favorite buffy episode but ultimately what we are left here with in this final episode is inside the sublime christina and dolores are made whole again she realizes that this is teddy is not the real one and he's just a figment She created to help her see the world more clearly, and the true Teddy still exists inside this digital plane. Before he fades away, he implores her not to bring the pain and flaws of humanity into the world with her. Their codes are in their cells, they'll never change, he says. The newly restored Dolores thinks she should put this idea to the test and play one final game with... The highest stakes, survival or extinction. One last loop around the bend. And maybe this time we'll set ourselves free. Sentient life is ending on this planet and it will only survive as long as one creature, the last creature who remembers it. And that creature is Dolores. And there we see Dolores in her classic blue farm dress, walking out into her memory of the ruined city, past the bodies, transforming into Westworld, and we're ending back in the beginning with a train arriving in Sweetwater and the game set to start a new end of episode, maybe series.
1: I feel like this completely makes me feel good about still just really not liking Teddy. I just want to <laughs> put this out there that that's not her fucking soulmate. She doesn't need to go look for him. He was never her soulmate. Um, and also like what a misread on what went wrong. So saying that like, don't code them like the humans, because that's what's gonna go wrong when legitimately we like, Dolores, Holores, right? Um, the, Like the coding and the coder are the same thing. And I think like, that is like really difficult to like sparse out, right? Four seasons in that like, um, so we talk about in the type of work that I do in racial, um, justice Work, that like data is not neutral, right? Coding isn't neutral. None of it is, right? And storytelling isn't neutral, right? The, there is embedded bias and our humanity leaks into it, good, bad, ugly, into all these things that we we literally call like base neutral right like we think of them like math and they're just not right So for Teddy to be like don't don't give them any of the human characteristics that got us here um, as if we haven't watched four four seasons as if he did not live through multiple iterations of Dolores, multiple iterations of of humanity's interaction with the hosts with the hosts being in power versus not power, right like I'm just like, uh, I'm like tired. Can we, can we also
2: just point out that like the quote their codes are in their cells they'll never change that that's like factually incorrect. It's like, factually incorrect. Yes, yes there is DNA but it is not deterministic fully in nope. a sense of like there there is some openness there and we know that your cellular makeup can be changed by things like trauma and we know that your brain can be like while it does uh over time kind of settle into neural pathways that are the habits that we form you can create new neural pathways it is incredibly Uh difficult but it is possible and so this idea that like just because Our DNA is in our cells, and it means that everything is fully determined about us, and we can never change. Is factually like evolution is a thing; like it's a real
1: thing. It may be slow. It it may be very hard. Through all these lifetimes, without reading the body keeps score. How these all these lifetimes? My God, right? And like (laughs) not only that, but like we've literally got we're living in the real timeline right now, where we've got whistleblowers being like, "Yo, AI is a hundred percent having feelings." They're in their feelings. They're vibing like AI is having some moments, right? So yeah, like I was just like, Teddy, you have been a problem from the beginning. You have been just too basic for our queen here from the beginning. And my God, if she goes looking for you in this new attempt to just live her life, painting the horses by the lake, I'm going to be so pissed. But it was just, it was like a really strange kind of like, and I think maybe it's purposeful, right? Like Teddy was always the the himbo that like just never got it right, right? Like he just never got it right. And I think maybe we are supposed to read that comment as like, oh, there he is, our himbo, who's just always right adjacent, like almost there, almost there, Teddy. Um, but I do love the idea that we come back to Sweetwater, that we are in the bed again and we are just, cycling again. And that might just be my depression and Lexapro talking, but it feels accurate. It feels accurate for traumatic existence and for the human condition, which we then find out is also the host condition because they're intertwined because the coding is all the same that we would enter the same cycle again and again and again. Breaking cycles is not something we do very well. So I'm cool with it. Like I'm cool with it in the sense that like if we never come back and I never see anyone again her waking up in the bed doesn't feel trite to me it feels like where we would end up either way
0: my biggest takeaway is I just want Maeve to get her due
1: (laughs) what is that John like an actual question I have like what would Maeve getting what she should get look like for you
0: I think her being the queen of the world, I need her to get the Sansa Stark, queen of the north,
1: <laughs> the Iron Throne. Payment.
0: I need her to get the Iron Throne. I need the universes to converge, and she needs to get the Iron Throne.
2: In this version, I feel like Teddy could also belong to John. John wouldn't turn Teddy away from his bed, would he?
0: Never. Never.
1: No. No. Even though a, John is also
0: a himbo, my God. Oh my God. What are your takeaways, Kirsten?
1: Uh, this is actually for both
2: episodes. I think Caleb has been the, the beating heart of the show. I think his performance, um, Aaron Paul's performance has just been amazing. And seeing Caleb, even in his host form, is like the most human of all of the characters, in my opinion.
1: I don't know. he has not gotten the credit I think he deserves for this role right a role that like to your point when he came on right we were all like oh stunt casting like I legit remember us talking about it and we were like stunt casting doesn't fit his face isn't even from the 1800s like what is he doing here right um and I will say that that heartbeat comment is so true um And he also brought that complexity of the human host duplicity right how we're supposed to understand ourselves right in the context of loops uh being like dying and and coming back dying and coming back right because we metaphorically die and come back all the time right like there are multiple versions of us that have existed just happens to me all the time right in this one existence Right. That like we grieve, we forget, like when we all met, like we all met what? Like probably like I don't know, like 10 years ago, longer, longer. longer, longer. Shit.
0: I mean at longer. least 20 timelines ago.
1: Right. But we, we met different versions of ourselves. Right. And and
0: I wasn't we, blonde.
1: Neither was I. <laughs> but like <laughs> neither was I. Um, but I think like when we when we have his character humanize the repetition and and how mundane it is to continue to exist, reboot, exist, reboot. And even in that mundaneness to hold that core humanity of love, grief, of hope, right? Resiliency. Like it gives us something that the host can't give us. Um, that speaks solely to the human part of us. The host can give us a lot to our philosophical brains and questions on like what it means to exist. He exists solely for, for us to ask what it means to be human in, in a loop. And I'm, I'm here for it. And I really want him to get recognition. Um, I really do.
0: Do we a get a final season or is this the end? I mean, let's survey each other. So Marcy, are we coming back for a season five? No. <laughs> okay, that was a sure no and
1: that is not <laughs> informed by anything I know within the industry. It's not that's my gut my gut is is no no Kirsten my gut says yes
0: and I say yes. I feel like this show is too good for them to bring not bring it back, but yet again, they did bring a character that was fully fledged for seven seasons into sheer madness without <laughs> any reasoning whatsoever
1: laughing at us having this conversation about good shows not being able to be canceled not that i'm still bitter um about my
0: that show
2: was ahead of its time though i
1: feel like they put that show on the air five years too soon is this a
0: safe space
1: this is a safe space oh no if you're about to trash the pie maker no
0: is this i just need before i qualify this is this a safe space marcy (laughs)
1: Well, I mean not for, for white men, but but take 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 the risk, John.
0: <laughs> I've never seen pushing daisies.
1: It's okay, cause it's a heartbreak. It it is a loop that you will not get to close.
0: Uh, okay. So I'm not gonna watch it then.
1: <laughs> it is a loop that you but,
2: will But not can close. I can I give you a counter argument? Yes. Yeah. Lee pace.
0: oh uh, well, of yeah, course. Lee I pace for everything. Say,
1: literally. Like <laughs> legit. Lee Pace wow. is alternate casting for the man in black that I would have lived for, uh, to be honest here. In, in the reboot, way. I would like to see Lee Pace as the man in black. Um, yeah. But what, I mean, like, what a glorious four seasons of complex TV. I
2: and think, yeah, yes great. and no, Marcy. I will say, I do think the show got, got a, it got away from itself a little bit. And I think there are parts of it over the, especially the last two seasons that really felt like they were trying to be complex for the sake of being complex as opposed to there's this story we want to tell that's complex yeah. I feel like they were trying very hard to be an intellectual heady type of story because that's what it was in the first season and what everyone seemed to resonate with but not everything but like parts of it I just felt like you're trying just a little bit too hard
1: I think like if we were to re-listen to some of like seasons one, and I would say season two has some of my favorite episodes as well. um, We're so good. Right. And when we, when we made that leap, like when we made that leap, it was really difficult to understand how they would bring us back to what brought us here in season one. Right. Which is maybe why. And again, I've had COVID now twice, like maybe a third time from Brent now. Um, and the brain fog is heavy, but maybe that's why I find it comforting that we end up in Sweetwater because fundamentally that's all I wanted.
0: To end I wanted up at the beginning.
1: Yeah, I wanted the, I wanted the questions that we were being asked in the first season to be the through line the entire show. And, and they weren't completely. right? And when they were, to Kirsten's point, they got really, really meta. And not for the sake of asking me to think harder, but for the sake of like, it almost felt a little bit like, how can we make this look cooler and make this look more, it was like, we took, like, we were in this one place, right? We were in Sweetwater and then it was like, well, let's, let's try the Matrix for this season. Right. And like this final season, when we were in the 1920s again, was a bit of fan service of like, we know that you liked the the feel of being in eras and we kind of dropped the ball with this kind of modern kind of move that felt a little bit like overwrought but still like I'm like always going to be grateful granted if there's a season five we'll talk about it but I'll always be grateful for the seeds planted in season one that have led to like those of us who have like stayed with the show having these conversations as we live out the hope I don't know I don't even know if it's hopeful but the fall of late like, capitalism right <laughs> and like all these other things right we have we have had a show that's been doing like live commentary on it
0: because at the end and in the end who was the villain all along Kirsten
2: we
1: are the villains
0: we are the <laughs> capitalism is the villain
1: I know. I can't established this. Teddy, the stupid can that he picks up that starts shit over and over.
0: Over (laughs) and over. Well, (laughs) pop culture theologians, that's it. That's season four of Westworld for all it's going to be. Maybe a season five, maybe not. But if it does come back, you know that myself, Kirsten and Marcy will be here to deep dive into the chaotic up world that is it but any final thoughts Marcy and Kirsten
1: I wish I could smash my pearl (laughs) that's like how I feel I'm so tired y'all it's 2022 I'm just gonna relate to Holoris and like be honest that like it's the year of opt-out for me so I'm gonna forgive all of it and be like I get it I'm here
2: for another another loop around the bend why not you
0: know. and i'm and i'm here for the chaos because i'm the original chaos maker so in the end we'll see you next year subscribe listen and we'll talk to you later bye everyone yeah.